0: Merry Christmas if I haven't gotten to say that to you yet it's great it's a great joy for me to be able to say to you Merry Christmas Uh, welcome to our worship today welcome to our worship gathering and we're excited to be looking into God's Word together we know many of our church families are off visiting other families and so certainly want to remind you to be in prayer for them even maybe today as you travel after the service I know our family will be traveling but I'm also mindful of many in our congregation who aren't here with us today Uh, But as we come together today, it's great to be able to celebrate, to joyfully celebrate uh, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, on this Christmas morning. Uh, So let us open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. That will be our text this morning. Uh, And the title of the message is God with us. Let me read the passage and then we'll pray. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your holy word. We thank you for the incarnation of Christ, our Savior. We thank you for the testimony and the truth of your word. Lord, as we come to you this morning and come to this time in our service, we declare, Father, our need for your grace and your mercy. And Father, we are in need of you to understand even the truth of your word. For, Lord, you've revealed yourself to us through your word, through the person and work of Christ, your son. And so as we come to you this morning, Lord, we come asking of you that. You would refresh our hearts and our minds with the Christmas story that we've read every year. But Lord, would you give it a new and profound sense of working in our hearts and minds today? Oh, Father, we ask that you would uh, you would fill us with the joy of our salvation through Christ our Lord. And oh, God, we pray this morning. That you would help us to rejoice and lead us by your Holy Spirit to rejoice in the wonderful hope and truth of the gospel. Of this great mystery. That you became man. You were born into this world. And that you lived a sinless life that you might bring about our redemption. Thank you, Jesus, for purchasing our lives from sin and the destruction of death. And now, Lord, we pray, I pray. That the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, for it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. A woman was doing her last minute Christmas shopping at a crowded mall And as she was approaching the elevator, she was reflecting on how tired she was. She was tired of fighting the crowd. She was tired of standing in line. She was tired of carrying. Her arms were literally, physically tired of carrying all of the different gifts that she had. She was tired of walking down long aisles and finding no gifts that she was looking for. All of them had been sold out. And so as she's approaching the elevator, her arms full of bulky packages, the elevator door opens, and she looks to see the elevator is full of people as well. And the people in the elevator grudgingly push to the side and make room for the woman to step in. And as she steps in with all of her packages in her arms and the door closes, she says kind of under her breath, but loud enough so people can hear, whoever's responsible for this whole Christmas thing Ought to be arrested, strung up, and shot. <laughs> Perhaps you skipped all of the stores and the lines this year and ordered online, but for those of you who didn't, maybe you had similar thoughts. What in the world am I doing buying all of these gifts this Christmas season? A few others in the elevator nodded their heads and grunted in agreement, and then from somewhere in the back of the elevator came a single voice that said, Don't worry. They already crucified him. As I read that story, uh, maybe it's kind of cheesy. But as I thought about it, you know, this is the reality that oftentimes we need to be hit with, right? This is the reality check. We get so, and and maybe it's not so much that we would come out and blatantly say something like this woman said in the elevator. Whoever's responsible for this Christmas thing needs to be strung up and arrested and shot. But... Maybe just maybe for us, we need a similar reality check that we don't forget. We don't forget the hope and the true focus of Christmas. Have you ever noticed the way children's stories often begin? A long, long time ago in a land far, far away, right? And then the story goes on. If we were telling the children the Christmas story, We might begin similarly with this account. A long, long time ago, in a land far away, a great king was born. And then we would go on to describe how this great king was born in conditions that weren't so great. In in fact, this is in part what Matthew and what Matthew intends to communicate to us through Matthew, through his gospel story, through the whole of chapter one. That King Jesus has been born. The kingdom of heaven has come. Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist comes in proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew's account is different from Luke's account. Most of the time, maybe even this morning or last night, when we read the Christmas story, we read from Luke's gospel, don't we? Because it's a more full picture, it's fuller, and it's more robust and all of the details, and and it's more fun to read. But Matthew's account, it's a little less elated. It's a little more sobering. You see, Luke's account is through Mary's eyes. And we have Mary's Magnificat. We've got all the songs surrounding Jesus' birth coming into the world. But in Matthew's account, Matthew's just a little more sobering. We have Matthew's view where he's looking through Joseph's eyes. It's Joseph's point of view in Matthew's gospel. So this morning, I want to invite you to enter with me into Matthew's account of the story and the events surrounding Christ's birth as we examine what the gospel writer intends us to understand about Jesus' arrival. And first, I, I think what Matthew intends us to understand is that Christ came to us. Christ came to us... Now, when we consider this text, there's a there's a few items, a, a few background, a little bit of background information that we we need to remember when considering Jesus's birth. And first, we need to consider his name. The name Christ isn't his last name. I'm sure you know that. But Jesus Christ, Christ isn't his last name. Christ is a title. It means Lord or Messiah. It speaks of the the King Eternal who has lowered himself to become like mankind whom he created. And so Matthew sets out from the very beginning of his gospel to tell us of the hopeful arrival of the promised King, our Deliverer. Because in Christ we have one, Jesus, who is God's yes to his promise of redemption. Jesus is God's answer to the stain and the stench of sin that covers our humanity and isolates us from God. You see, before we come to Christ, we're in isolation from God. This is what Scripture teaches. friend. Scripture testifies that because of our sinfulness and our unholiness, we are unacceptable to God. In fact, we're not worthy we're not worthy or able to even come to him. And the reason is because God's standards are too high. And his holiness is too great. And so when we see this name, Jesus Christ, recognize that Christ says more than just the name following the first name. It's a title ascribing to this child, this, born, this child born king. He is the creator he is this promised one, the Savior, who has come to save his people. Secondly, background-wise, we need to realize this understand, or understand what betrothed means, right? It says there in verse 18, now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, now that's maybe an archaic word. It's certainly a word that we don't use in our culture today. But it would be closely akin, akin to, uh, to the engagement process. So when a couple gets engaged, there's a period of time before the actual wedding ceremony happens, right? Well, in in Jesus, in, in Joseph and Mary's day, the betrothal process was the first stage in marriage. If you will, it was kind of like an engagement, but really not. The, the betrothal process was a legally binding contract that the couple entered into. It was a marriage contract. It was covenant, really. It was a marriage covenant, but it was legally binding. And the only way that, that it could be broken was through the formal process of divorce. And so the betrothal process could last up to one year. During that year, the husband and wife did not live together, share the same residence. She continued to live under her father's roof, and he continued to live elsewhere. But on the wedding night, this, all things led up to the wedding, where the wedding ceremony would happen. And then on the wedding night, the two would become one. So Joseph and Mary were betrothed to one another. But Matthew's clear to tell us. That Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was found to be pregnant. So Mary was pregnant before they came together. This word came together. It's referencing the consummation of marriage. Right? Verse 25 also confirms this. But he knew, speaking of Joseph, he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. So now Luke's account of this, remember, it's much different, right? We've got this, this magnificat that Mary is singing. And there's this jubilation. But here in Matthew's gospel, what we really see is Joseph is, he's bothered by this. Verse 19 says her husband Joseph, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. This news shocked Joseph to his core. He could not believe that the woman he was betrothed to was pregnant. This was scandalous. How could she be unfaithful to their marriage? In his mind, he's thinking, this woman has shamed me. There was no other explanation. So Joseph decides that he's going to divorce her quietly. I think if you're looking for proof that Joseph wasn't Jesus's biological father, perhaps consider why Joseph would want to divorce Mary. By all accounts and traditions, Joseph had guarded his righteousness being a just man. And so if you read and, and understand the customs of the day, there wasn't a way that Joseph and Mary would have been together. Joseph was one who feared God above even his own concerns. And so when the angel appears to Joseph in verse 20, we see that Joseph believes and follows what the angel gives him instruction to do. And so Jesus' birth was supernatural. I think Matthew wants us to see this here in this text, that his birth was supernatural. It was unique. The angelic confirmation in verses 18 and 20 comes and says that the child is from the Holy Spirit. And it's enough to change Joseph's mind. You see, the miracle of Christ's incarnation is not only that he was born, but that he was born of a virgin. In fact, Larry King was interviewed uh, by someone. And as he was being interviewed, the interviewer asked who he would most, who Larry King would most like to interview. If he could interview, interview anyone from all of history. And he said, Jesus Christ Christ. The interviewer asked again, what would you like to ask him? The king replied, I would like to ask him if he was indeed virgin born. Larry King said, the answer to that question would define history for me. See, the, the virgin birth is a foundational doctrine of Christianity. A person who rejects the virgin birth doesn't embrace the Christianity of the Bible. Because to reject the virgin birth is to deny the truth of Scripture. It's to deny the hypostatic union that Jesus has both human and divine natures. It's an amazing thought that God opened Mary's womb and created life by the power of His Spirit. The Holy Spirit put life into the womb of Mary so that the Christ child grew within her until she gave birth. It's really inexplicable. God manifested his presence and power to perform a special miracle. And the virgin birth is a miracle because it it defies all explanation. It cannot be explained. If it could, then it wouldn't be a miracle. The challenge is for each of us, I think, at, at some point, reason must give way to faith. And we must trust what we can't explain nor fully comprehend and and praise God for the incarnation of Christ and the mystery that is the gospel. So what Matthew is intending to communicate to us, number one, is that Jesus entered humanity. He came to us. So not only was Jesus's birth supernatural. I I think Matthew is telling us a little bit about the story of adoption. Think about it. Think about the details that he gives us in verses 18 through 25. Really, all of chapter 1. Jesus is Mary's biological child, but not Joseph's biological child. Matthew's careful to communicate this both here and in the genealogical record. He begins the genealogical record as West preached in the first Sunday of Advent. He begins by tracing Jesus' lineage back to the patriarch of promise, Abraham. And ultimately, he poses the question, from whom and from where is this baby? Where is the origin of this child? And in verses 2 through 15, he establishes a pattern. And that's this A-B pattern, right? In verse 2, we see Abraham was the father of Isaac, right? A-B. And then Isaac, A, the father of Jacob, B. And then Jacob, A, the father of Judah, and so on and so forth all the way through the genealogical record until we get to verse 16, and this pattern is broken, right? Joseph, verse 16, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. Now, in the ESV, there's that relative pronoun whom there, and it's feminine construct, all right? It means it, it, refers back, it. refers not back to Joseph, but it refers back to Mary. And what's Matthew's point here? Matthew's point is Jesus' entrance into the world. It is altogether different, completely different. Jesus is the son, biologically, of Mary. And so the question is set, if Joseph isn't the biological father of Jesus, where does he come from? Matthew answers this question emphatically from verse 18, beginning with verse 18 and going on. Saying that Jesus was, he was the son of Mary, but but addresses Joseph in verse 20 as the son of David and says do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit and so what does Joseph do in verse 24 when he awoke from his sleep he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took his wife verse 25 but knew her not until she had given birth to a son you see Joseph took Jesus as his own. In other words, Joseph adopted Jesus when he named Jesus, he adopted him as his own son. And because of that, Jesus inherited the kingly lineage because it was Joseph that was the son of David. So Jesus earthly right to the kingly lineage came through adoption. I think this is a reverse picture of our adoption into the family of God. Ephesians 1, 3, Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. Listen, in love... He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. You see, Matthew wants us to see and to understand that Jesus came to us. God the Son entered our humanity to identify with us and to pay a sin debt that we couldn't pay, and, and so that we might gain the inheritance that we could never earn. Jesus came to us. I think, secondly, Matthew wants us to see that Christ saves us. We see this in verse 21. Look at what he says. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What does this mean? Call his name Jesus. Jesus is the Old Testament name of Joshua or Yeshua. Which means Yahweh saves. Who was it that led the children of Israel, delivered them into the promised land? It was Joshua, right? Taking up the reins and the mantle of Moses, he leads God's people into the promised land. And here in the New Testament, we see this name, Jesus, applied to the Christ, child, the king, God the Son entering the world. And his name even says and speaks it Yahweh saves, Jesus saves. God saves. You know, this is where Christianity differs from every other world religion. God, by his initiative, has made himself known to us, to humanity. He's revealed himself for the purpose of our redemption. Every other world religion begins with man working his way to God. But Christianity begins with God coming to man. You see, Buddha... Gandhi, Muhammad, all claim to receive re- revelation from God. But Christianity tells a different account. That God actually came to us and actually revealed himself to us. Think about John 1.18. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Speaking of the Christ who has condescended. The word who has become flesh. You see, the God of Christianity is personal. N.T. Wright said, God is present with his people. He doesn't intervene from a distance, but is always active, expressing his love in unexpected ways. (laughs) How's the incarnation for unexpected, right? Here is God stepping down into our humanity in unexpected way. He takes upon the form of flesh He is a baby born in a stable. You see, Christianity teaches that there's only hope in one name under heaven whereby men can be saved. And that name is Jesus Christ. There's no other. All others are pseudo saviors. There's only one who saves us and delivers us from the bondage to sin, from eternal wrath. And so all of us stand condemned equally before a just and holy God. But there is one who has come to save us. All other religions look to self to deal with the problem of evil in the world. But Christianity is the only one that gives an adequate answer for the problem of evil. The Buddhist, the Hindu, Muslims, etc. all look within self to earn their way to God. All are searching to find the path of inner peace leading to nirvana or leading to some absolute state or are seeking to achieve godhood. They teach that observing ritualistic laws by doing this, they might earn God's favor. But you see, in Christianity, God condescended and he did what man can't do. Jesus Christ made the payment for our sin so that we, by his grace and mercy, can receive the free gift of eternal life. This gift comes by professing faith in Christ and living in submission to his lordship. See, the hope of the gospel is that Jesus saves. Jesus saves. He saves us from our sin by living a perfect life and dying on the cross for our redemption. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray in pursuit of our own way, Scripture says. But hear me out, our way can't match God's way. The reality and promise in Christ is that we have a beginning and we will have no end We've been created for a purpose, and that purpose, chiefly, is to be in relationship with God. The reality that Scripture paints is that we will live for eternity. And the question isn't whether or not we live for eternity. The question is, either we will live with Him in heaven for eternity, or under His wrath in hell for eternity. And hear me out, our eternity is impacted by what we believe about the answer to the questions that Matthew poses. Who is this baby? Where did he come from? And how how does he save? But I think thirdly, Matthew wants us to see that Christ is with us. He is Emmanuel. We see this in verses 22 and 23. What's the significance of God with us this Christmas season? The title Emmanuel means... God with us, as we all know, Matthew highlights this amazing promise of God's presence with his people. The New Testament, New Testament affirms the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit as counselor, comforter, guide. But even more than this, Ephesians chapter one, verse 13 says that the spirit is actually God's seal on our life. It is the seal of our inheritance in Christ. Matthew says that in Christ, Isaiah's prophecies are fulfilled. We see that in verse 23 as Dr. David read earlier. And it's in the prophecies of the Christ child being born. That Isaiah looks forward and says this is his declaration that God is with us. And here we have the answer to the origin of Jesus as the baby in the manger. Who is this Jesus? It's God himself. Jesus Christ is God stepped down out of heaven to walk among his creation. You know what's incredible to me about Matthew's gospel? It's that Matthew brackets his gospel with this hopeful message. God is with us. He begins with Emmanuel here in the birth narrative of chapter one. And you know how he ends his gospel in Matthew chapter 28, verse twenty. Jesus says to his disciples just before his ascension, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. What a tremendous promise to all who are his children, who have believed upon Christ by faith. This message, God is with us. It is a hopeful message. It is the message of Christmas. That God, by his spirit, dwells with us. We know that Christ is returning, but for now, this Advent, we celebrate that God even here and now this morning is with us. Do you know this promise today? That God is with us, that he will never leave us, he won't forsake us. Is Christ the true meaning of Christmas for you? I want to challenge us this morning. That if Christ is not the true meaning of Christmas for you, that he would become the true meaning and hope of Christmas for you. God is with us. And as we close our time together, I want us to stand this morning after I pray and sing and celebrate this incredible promise and hope that God is with us. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the wonderful truth, the amazing truth, really the incomprehensible truth of your word. Lord, that you would condescend to become like us, to identify with us. So that you would make a way for our redemption and reconciliation to you. Thank you, Father, for our salvation. Thank you, Lord, for the true hope and joy of Christmas, that Christ our Savior has come The King of all creation became like us. Father, as we sing this morning, as we reflect upon your word and the hope of Christmas, this Advent season, may you fill our hearts and our lives with joy that we might even be used by you as Joseph was used by you and as Mary was used by you to proclaim the hope and the truth of Christ at Christmas. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand?